0: What is up everybody? Welcome to the Halftime Snacks Podcast. This show features short interviews that you can listen during the halftime of your favorite sports events. Every Tuesday I host fun conversations with talented people in the sports industry where we'll learn from their stories, knowledge, and experiences. So go grab your favorite snack and come snack with us. Are you ready? Let's go! I'm excited to welcome our next guest to the Halftime Snacks. This guest has a massive background in sports, including work in cybersecurity for Nike and the NBA. He's currently the CEO and co-founder of Prediction Strike, the world's first sports stock market, allowing fans to buy and sell shares of their favorite pro athletes. The company raised its first venture capital funding round in 2021, and has processed over 4.5 million dollars worth of transaction on the platform to date expects from this conversation tons of insights in sports betting investing technology and entrepreneurship ladies and gentlemen allow me to introduce devin hurt what up devin how are you man hey thanks again for having me i'm good how are you I'm great, Devin. It's amazing to have you on the Halftime Snacks. Um, looking forward to this conversation. Of course, we're going to be talking a lot about you, about Prediction Strike, about what drove you to, to build Prediction Strike. But let's kick it off with an icebreaker, something fun. Uh, and I want to know, if, uh, Devin, if there's a fun fact about Devin Hurt that you want to share on the Halftime Snacks that not so many people know about. Maybe a few people know about, but not many know.
1: Okay, a fun one. Um <clears throat> We've actually been doing these at work a lot. Well, one of our employees always, he, he's always like, <clears throat> you know, I just, I just want to know about about you guys. Just like, what are some random things that have just happened or, or things in your life? Uh, one, I think that got him really, really good was I used to be very serious about playing chess. Uh, so I was, I would enter in like the nationally ranked chess tournaments and things like that. Uh, so I really, I really used to care about chess. I think that blew his mind a lot. Uh, so that's a
0: pretty. Fun one. <laughs> man that's a great one. I'm actually also a very big chess player and fan so man you make sure you you leave me your chess.com username so that we play online sometime um, and Devin uh, let, let, let's maybe talk more about how exactly you got involved into into sports what drove you how, how exactly you first you know were interested in sports Do you maybe remember a story or something that you want to share with us about that first moment that sports was something that pulled you?
1: Sure. I mean, I started playing sports, I think, like a lot of kids did when I was like five, started with soccer, uh, and that was fun. So I, I, it started there, and sports have kind of always been a part of my life since then. Um, but how did I really get into sports as in terms of a career? It, I, I kind of fell into it. I wasn't planning on working in sports originally. And then uh, through a professor, I was actually able to start doing that work for the NBA. And so that is what really made me decide, okay, doing a career in sports would be awesome. And so that I started looking at careers in sports that are different than maybe, um, you know, I'm I'm not obviously going to be a pro athlete or a coach, but what are some of the business adjacent careers? And that's how I started doing cybersecurity for the NBA.
0: That's so cool. And do you have like a specific... You think of specific skills, maybe one, two, or three skills that if you learned uh, during your work at the NBA, and of course, your work later at Nike, which are two different kind of brands and kind of companies to work for, specifically in sports, right? One is more media-dedicated, and the other one is more uh, uh, sportswear and clothing, Uh, but I wonder if there's a couple of skills that you learned during your time, those both those companies that build solid foundation for you uh, for building a uh, prediction strike later on.
1: Sure. Yes. As you mentioned, those are both very different companies. An interesting thing about the NBA is while there is a central MBA, um, of course, all of the teams are very autonomous. and can kind of do what they want. Uh, so big lesson there is just in general people management skills. Not as much managing, like telling them what to do, but a lot of coordination, a lot of organization. Uh, I mean, you have 30 different teams with their own entire support staffs. And those, and even those teams will have different structures. So there's a lot going on there that there, there's there's just a ton to learn uh, from that. Nike, kind of as you imagine, is a more centralized company, but it's also a huge company. Um, I've, I forgot how many employees Nike has, but um, even if you... Uh, remove the, the people who work in the retail stores, it's tens of thousands, just, just tons. It takes tons of people to make, to make Nike work. Uh, so there were definitely some exercise and coordination there, <clears throat> but also you have to do a lot of just planning for the long-term and planning for uh, mass adoption of, of some sort of product or whatever the change is, because that change is potentially impacting thousands and thousands of employees or, or um, or millions of consumers, and so the the attention to detail and the planning over there is is incredible, and so that that was a very good lesson.
0: Yeah, and, and something that I found super interesting is that you've executed roles for those companies that are probably not as common. You know, you may be hearing about people that did business development for the NBA, or that you know went into marketing and, and you know worked on a couple of other projects with them, but you did cybersecurity would you mind talking a little bit about more about what what that means for those listening that maybe don't really know what that means or are not very familiar of how exactly companies like those or brands like those could be interested in cybersecurity i mean it's not it's not like a, a topic that it's probably more, uh, it would be probably more interesting or more, not interesting, but I would say it's probably more common for companies that are in technology, say Microsoft or Google or Google, which you also worked with if you want to talk about that. But it, it would be, it would be probably more common to think that companies that are in technology are working in cybersecurity and less the companies in sports. So why exactly you worked in that area or how exactly, or what what was the, the positions about for those that don't know, would you mind explaining? Sure. So cybersecurity, at, at this point, I think we're getting to a, a stage where
1: every everyone kind of needs a cybersecurity um, team within their company. Every company is so internet enabled, and they have so much data that's stored online. And I mean, most companies probably can't function if they have a sh- severe internet outage. The NBA, as you mentioned, is a broadcast. I mean, a lot of what they do is manage broadcasts and, and player information. If they get hacked, then Either the broadcast goes down or or maybe people uh, or maybe a lot of personal details about athletes are leaked um, or contract details about people who don't want that information out. Maybe addresses, things like that. Right. Um, if Nike, they have tons of consumers all over the world. So even a partial outage could cause them. I mean, they're losing money. They can't make sales. You can't make sales. You can't make money. Right. So that is <laughs> that. So it has become, I'd say it's definitely still an emerging field, but companies are more and more taking it seriously now, which is great to see. And 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 I just love it. I mean, it's fun to do. It's something I I started doing before I ever started working in sports. And so that's kind of how uh, how we got going. But
0: here we are. And then you, you, you wrapped your work there and you immediately, I mean, Uh, you started Prediction Strike. So the first question, of course, that comes to my mind is how exactly you thought about it, right? Probably you were working with those brands and you started realizing, oh, there's an opportunity here. Oh, those stakeholders could benefit from this. Oh, uh, no one's doing this. Oh, there's this specific trend. So what exactly were the the four or five thoughts that you collected during your time there that kind of drove you to understand the, the opportunity of Prediction Strike and then immediately maybe jump into it?
1: So I, I think it did It did start back when I, I was coming off working uh, for the NBA and I was about to start working at Nike is when we first had the idea. So I was definitely thinking about sports, looking at sports a lot, which helped. And the idea came from a conversation with my best friend and, and now co-founder. We were just talking, also shout out to Brad, big shout out. Uh, we were just talking and we were talking about the real stock market. We had always had a general interest in the stock market. We kept portfolios, but um, Brad had worked in financial services. I, I had not. So definitely a, a serious interest in the stock market. And Brad was complaining about some company that their stock was going down. And he, he just, it was also the NBA playoffs. And he says, I just wish I could put my money in LeBron. So we're like, okay, wh- what would that look like? What would that feel like? And so we started what now is Prediction Strike with just us, just our friends. And from there, it, 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 it blew up. <laughs> and and uh, now we, we've, of course, grown into the company we are today, but it really just started with a conversation, and just trying it to see if, uh,
0: just to see what would happen. And how exactly does it work, right? You say bet on a player. Uh, there's, of course, prop bets today on uh, different, you know, uh, sport be- betting uh, apps and companies uh, that you, you could bet, you know, LeBron's going to score more or less than 25 points over or under, or uh, he's going to, you know, have exit amount of impact on the game. How exactly does Prediction Strike works?
1: Yeah, so we're very, we're, it's a different field than kind of betting, prop betting and things like that. In short, each athlete has a share price. So say LeBron is $10 a share right now. Now you can, you, you buy those shares with, with real money and the share prices move based on two factors. One is how the athlete performs in games. So are, are, they, are they doing better than expected? And think of each game kind of like an earnings report. So if they beat their earnings, their share price is gonna go up. If they miss, it'll go down. So that's one factor. And the other is, are other users buying or selling those shares? If users are, if more people are buying those shares, those share prices are going to go up. More people are selling, those share prices are going to decrease. That's to reflect the popularity, the supply and demand of, of, of those shares. Because, I mean, after all, a big metric for an athlete is, well, how many people just like them? Can they sell jerseys? Can they sell tickets? That,
0: that, that's a very interesting point that you, that you make there um, because it gives it a very um, scarcity element Right. there's only one LeBron and so you can only buy a specific share of LeBron but if there's only one right so it, it really depends on how many people like him or how popular is he but let's say that I'm I, I want to become an investor and I want to you know be able to maybe think about how how to you know invest in, in specific players how exactly should I be thinking about uh, you know learning exactly Maybe the intrinsic value, something that is, you know, intrinsic in st- in, the, in stocks. We say in- intrinsic value as the fundamental value, right? As how much exactly the company is worth. Um, so how how would I go about figuring out what the intrinsic value of a, a player is? Is it, you know, figuring out how many followers they have on 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 socials and how popular they are on the media and how much how much buzz. Uh, there is around news when they make a big game or like how exactly would you you know say or recommend people to go out and figure out the intrinsic value of a specific player
1: definitely i would say start with just their performance how good are they so when i i I think that's where i would start because that's probably where i would start with the company right company i'm looking at revenue i'm looking at their stock price because yes companies can choose to split their stock price and sort of Uh, change the price that way. But that's a good indicator of how the company's doing, right? Uh, And what what has their performance been over time? Are they getting better? So if they're a player, are you becoming more productive? Are you scoring more points, getting more rebounds? Or are you something that companies can't do? Are you suddenly in a better position for you? Which means, did you just get traded to a new team? Did the starter, you know, were you a bench player and the starter got hurt? So now you are playing more. Things like that, that really open up huge opportunities for players just instantly. Uh, I would start by looking there. And then you mentioned the, so, the, the social media kind of popularity aspect. That's huge for us is how much buzz is a player getting? Do, do people care? And that can have anything to do with having a huge game, having uh, a terrible game. Uh, maybe they, something happened on or off the field that they're just becoming known for. But buzz plays a huge part into it. And we see people trading off that uh trade news is another form of buzz especially in the off season oh so-and-so gets traded they're gonna be what does their new situation look like is it better for them is it worse that's another big uh just dis- a big mover of share prices
0: that, that's fascinating I feel I feel like the idea is quite of like disrupting how we think about you know um specific things in sports like players and the value of players and everything and how exactly can we monetize uh that value right Uh, until today we only had betting and everything but um nothing really that specific i wonder if players are have skin in the game with this if they are involved in some way and if they can earn in some way from what you guys are building at prediction strike, or if you're, if, if they can't, or they, they don't now, but you, you have it in the future plans. Like, I wonder if you have that in mind.
1: Yes. So right now, actually, yes, the, the, um, the players can be involved. So we're offering players up to 5% of their market cap for really just helping us promote and becoming a part of our community experience. So that's producing content. Talking to fans, uh, doing podcasts, doing ask me anything's, those types of things are what entitles players to part of their market cap. So yes, definitely. Uh, any player who we who we list is eligible. Um, we've already moved forward with with quite a few, specifically on the UFC side, and, and we're loving it.
0: Oh, that's uh, that's awesome! And for those maybe investors that are you know out there in the stock market investing in Apple, Microsoft, uh, you know Google, those those kinds of companies that are you know maybe getting int- more, more and more interested about Prediction Strike with this conversation, they're listening and they're getting super excited and they're like, okay, I want to bet on Nikola Jokic and you know Russell yeah. Westbrook and everything <laughs> and my favorite UFC fighters and everything but they want to understand what exactly is the risk profile and the expected returns right because everything is a matter of uh, risk and return you know how much how much of my money should i spend on this how much of my you know what percentage of my capital allocation should be uh, should be put on a prediction strike so how how about you you maybe explain to us what the risk profile is like how vol- how vol- volatile uh, are the stocks or the shares of uh, specific players around the NBA or the UFC that you mentioned now um, and how how much returns could you expect from these investments you know over let's say a one year period or how how exactly can can a, a, an investor be looking at it from an, a return perspective?
1: Sure uh, for that we've seen kind of things all over the spectrum. I'd say, I think of our best players as kind of our blue chip stocks. Um, so those are sort of like your Googles, your Apples, your Microsofts. They're going to kind of tick up. Uh, but a lot of the value is in those in those players who are just getting a first shot or, or, um, or maybe they're not very well known. That's, there's a lot of value in those. And we've seen players go up 400% in, in a year. Um, and, that's, and that's just ones I can think of right now. I'm sure there have been more. So you can make a very sizable return on these athletes. And, and a lot of users have, and a lot of users are loving it for that. So definitely, um, I would love for you to uh, invest with us in terms of your actual capital allocation. Uh, have to give you the, the classic disclaimer. Just always be careful um, with anything that you are, uh, just with any investment. Diversify, uh, as always, and um, just invest what is what is safe for you. <laughs> that um, So classic disclaimer there. But um, there's tons of room for growth, and a lot of people have seen a lot of it.
0: Yeah, and, and you know it's funny because I'm, I'm you know, of course, correlating and relating everything that happens on the stock market to what uh, could happen or happens already at prediction strike. Like I wonder if there's going to be eventually like meme stocks. Uh, meme stocks, you know, remember GameStop and AMC and, and BlackBerry and all these companies. I, I, I wonder if eventually there's going to be like meme players, right? The players that, you know, just we go ahead saw and saw that. Yeah.
1: Yes. We've seen some of that already. Uh, people are picking random players and, and like we have a discord that's pretty popping. Uh, and so people are coordinating and trying to get the share price to, to shoot up on those players. Uh, we've seen it. It's fun. I love the community around it. And, 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 you know, uh, that's, that's what we want. We want a platform where users can act how they want, where they can, if they want to send, send the share price of a player out, they can. I mean, that's, that's what they see as the value, right? Maybe the value of that player is just, hey, wouldn't it be fun if they, if they're, if their stock price was all the way up here? And that's cool for us. Whatever you see the value is, that's what
0: it is. Yeah, I'm sure that, you know, specifically Meta World Peace or Runner Test, one of the most controversial players uh, in the history of the NBA, or uh, or Dennis Rodman also would have been very interesting to see, you know, how, how his uh, share price would have moved on Prediction Strike. Um, but one thing that I want to talk to you about, Devin, is, you know, the whole emergence of, you know, NFTs and the new platforms. Uh, that are coming up, the, the different types of regulations and compliance that uh, the, the specific states are requiring for sports betting companies. Like, how are those trends? How are you looking at those trends specifically for Prediction Strike? Are you eventually um, looking looking at them to adapt yourself to them, or are you just looking at them uh, as competition, or or maybe uh, threats? Uh, what, what exactly is going on your mind for, uh, around those specific trends, you know, NFTs, the new platforms around sports and the whole, you know, regulation and compliance area of, of that, uh, part of sports betting
1: uh, on some level, we are complementary, and on some level we are competition. And so I think in terms of us being complementary, this idea of growing. How fans engage with athletes and their favorite players and, and creating more ways for fans to use their money to do that and voice that is is always going to be great. We want to see more of that. Like fans can express themselves and express them, their fandom besides just buying tickets, besides just going to the game. And we're seeing a lot of that, which is amazing. So we love that. Uh, But at the same time, yes, we are all competing for your, your, your discretionary income. We're competing for, for your sports dollars, right? We all are. Um, And so that, that does kind of put us in competition. However, we know there are billions of sports fans on this planet. There are billions and billions of trillions of dollars that they're ready to spend on sports. So the markets are huge. So we we are not fighting tooth and nail with each other, um, but we do we do have to be cognizant of each other. I, I have a great deal of respect for those companies and what they built. Uh, but I just I just see our model as different, as separate. And I think there are gaps in the market that we can fill that they can't.
0: And what exactly is your vision? Say five, 10 year vision for uh, prediction strike? What is your prediction for prediction strike?
1: <laughs> yes, we'd love to see uh, prediction strike as the the stock market for sports that is so linked to your sports experience as as the stock market is for business. So When you're arguing with your friends about how good a player is, I want to hear you saying, uh, well, this is their share price. Their share price is up this much. Or, yeah, they're having a better year. Look at how their share price is doing. That's what we want. That's what we want to see. We want to see our ticker at the bottom of ESPN or at the bottom of the Champions League. I want to see, like, when they show the little infographic, hey, Neymar, $12 a share. That's what I want to see. That's where we want to go. And that's where we're going to get to.
0: And just recently, you guys opened uh, UFC, as you mentioned. Is there there a plan for expansion, like working on different leagues and teams around, you know, different uh, countries, continents? Or what exactly is your strategy for getting there to that vision that you have?
1: Definitely. Uh, So, first of all, we want to expand uh, within the U.S. We have some more U.S. sports we have to hit. Uh, Baseball is one of them. I know baseball is kind of a global sport, but the MLB is in the U.S. Um, We need to hit uh, and and hockey in the U.S. But a fun one when it comes to other international sports is going to be soccer. We're adding soccer or football, depending on where you're from, in uh, ahead of the World Cup. We all know how big the World Cup is. We we we're getting that out ahead of that, and that's when we're hoping to start bringing in people from other countries, tapping new markets, and just having fun with it.
0: That's interesting. And how how much of how much of uh, prediction strike do you think it is going to disrupt the traditional fantasy sports as we know it? Do you think that's going to change completely? Do you think it's going to follow the same path, and it's just going to be you know parallel to what happens and how we play it, or do you think that it's going to eventually change the way we perceive? Uh, fantasy games, you know, by themselves?
1: I, I think it's going... I, first of all, we want to be big as fantasy.
0: Like, you know, everyone has a fantasy
1: league. We want you to have every fan with a phone to have a portfolio. That is our goal. We want it to be that big. And we think we complement fantasy in a lot of ways. If you're drafting a player to your fantasy team, you believe in their p- potential for the season. So why not invest in them? Why not buy some shares? That's how we see it.
0: Nah, I love it. I love it. You know, and coming specifically also from you know a stock market uh background and that i've seen how uh, values change and the expectations change i think that it could be really fun you know to have it as a game you know without friends and everything um so i'm looking forward to to that Devin, man it's been it's been a fun conversation we've been learning so much about you about your background about uh how exactly you came up with prediction strike, uh, but the halftime snacks is also a place where we get to know you more personally um, so I wonder if there's um, Maybe one habit or one uh, Practice that you've you've been you know trying to adapt to your life that you maybe want to share with us that uh, You think you know people should you know do more of or adapt to in their lifestyles as well so that they can you know learn from the, the great Devin and and learn, <laughs> learn how to become a better person or a better individual?
1: Yes, I think you have to do something in your life that takes you out of your routine and, and kind of puts you around just other people in a way that is that's different so that you can hopefully help some other people uh, because I think it's very easy in your life to, 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 to be like, all right, I have all of this going on and no one else in the world has anything else happening And my life is so horrible because like this one inconvenience happened and it's really not that bad. Uh, So one of the big things I do that even just I just get to hang out with different people, have fun. I do mixed martial arts. I love it. It's a great way to to keep myself on track. Obviously, stay healthy and and just have fun. I think you do just need to do something different and, and get around some different people. It's especially now with most people working remote and things like that. It's very easy to get trapped in a very small bubble. So, try and make sure, try and avoid that because that's, it's not fun. You're not learning anything by just (laughs) hanging out with the same people and hearing the same things.
0: (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's that's actually a great, great piece of advice. And is there one thing that you wish you knew when you were, say, 18 years old, you know, young Devin just starting out? Is there some lessons that you learned maybe in business or in technology on your experience with working with, you know, the companies that we mentioned, is there something that you wish you knew something, some advice that you would give your own 18 year old Devin?
1: Yeah. One of the big things would be just whatever it is, just get out there and just build it, just release it. And the big reason I give that advice is I think it's when you're thinking about starting a new company or a new product project, whatever, there's a lot of like tendency for people to start thinking, well, what if this goes wrong? What if they don't like this? What if this, that? And, you know, what if the, these 10 things happen? And usually you don't have that much to lose just by trying, just by getting it out there, by getting it to people and being like, do you actually like this? Uh, it's become very cheap right now and very fast to start an online company. You know, if, if you were like, look, I want to build cars. Okay, that, that, that might take some time. But like, if, if it's something that's internet enabled, it's pretty easy to just do it, to just go out there and start it. So I would highly recommend people do that uh, and, and just see what happens. Look, I, I ran three startups before this, which all failed and went nowhere. Uh, and that happens. I learned a ton from everyone and I brought all of that to here with me now. So don't, definitely don't be afraid to fail. It's going to happen. Uh, and it, it might even be better for you to be honest. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. That's also great advice, Devin. I uh, appreciate you for opening up and, and sharing that with us. Um, my last question, my last personal question, uh, for you, Devin today is, uh, what's the kindest thing that someone has ever uh, done for you? Wow.
1: <clears throat> the kindest thing. Oh man. Um, there have been so many. Uh, this is so hard. Um, I'm going to exclude my parents purposefully just because um, I think that's a rather boring answer, to be quite honest. Uh, and, I, and I know my parents have done a ton and I know parents as a whole do everything for their kids, but slightly boring answer. Um, one would be our first angel investor. Um, she Her name is Laura Butler, incredible person, uh, incredibly talented engineer better person. And she's just done so much for me in my life. She was one of the people who who actually encouraged me to start my first startup. And at the time she was a distinguished engineer at Microsoft. So incredibly high up. And she took the time to really mentor me and be like, look, you can do this. You can start a company. And she was also our first angel investor in this company. And so she she was someone who not only just with her time, with her energy, but also with her money has enabled me to do so much over the years. Um, I met her when I was first eight, I met her first when I was 18 and she's been a huge part of my life since then. And I really just can't thank her enough.
0: Thank you very much for tuning in. If you enjoy this episode, hit the subscribe button and leave a review on Apple podcasts. If you enjoy learning about the business and technology behind sports, make sure you subscribe to the sports tech biz newsletter. I'll leave the link in the show notes. See you all next week. Bye-bye.